there's no replacement for blood. So surgeries continue, emergencies continue, babies are born where units are needed. So we must work every plan that we ever put into place to make certain that we're able to provide these services to hospitals and healthcare facilities. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Dekitra Fitzgerald and Richard Dunn of the Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, it's super to have you on the show. And our topic today is the importance of community preparedness in advance of major events. But before we begin, can you share with our listeners your titles and some background on Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. Dekitra, let's start with you. Absolutely. So again, Dekitra Fitzgerald, I am the claims and safety manager for Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. I've been with the company for 20 years now. Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center is a blood center. Not only do we provide blood products for transfusion purposes, but we also provide cellular therapies to over 170 hospitals in over 26 counties. So we have an extensive pool of the types of products that we offer to many hospitals in our region. And certainly a critical mission. So that's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this. Richard, what about you? Tell us more about what you do. Yes, I'm a Richard Dunn, as you stated, and I'm the security and resilience manager. Been here at the blood center for 21 years now. Major part of that was spent within the MIS department. I uh, worked on the infrastructure and networking uh, team, you know, dealing with firewalls and spam and just securing the network overall. I work hand in hand with Dekedra, as she stated, some of the things that we do. My uh, operation includes just ensuring that we stay within the compliance areas and our, just the resilience and, uh, and ensuring that, that we're able to do those things that she mentioned in the event that we have a crisis or anything like that. Yeah, and especially with the mission that you guys have, and I know we'll get into this a bit more, but that's just super important. I mean, people rely on you, especially when things get bad. So looking forward to talking about that. So, Dekitra, why don't we start with you? As the claims and safety manager, what are some examples of the types of claims or safety issues that your team and you handle on a regular basis? We handle so much. I am a risk manager. That's that's what I am. So it's all the risk associated with the organization. So the types of claims that I handle is donor claims. If a donor is injured post-donation and they require any type of care, I handle those types of claims. Employee claims, which is typically called workers' comp in most places. Property claims. Here recently, over the last year plus, like most of us, my life has been COVID. So COVID testing turned into COVID vaccinations. So anything that you can think of that's risk related to employees and to donors. That is my role at the blood center. Okay. And did you find that your role changed pretty dramatically or it was kind of the same thing, just a slightly different twist and a larger volume? Well, things always change. It was quite a challenge over the last, you know, 16, 18 months with keeping staff healthy, contact tracing, 
you know, we also had the issues with the family members that were COVID positive, so quarantining, and it has been quite a struggle, but we managed to make it happen. One great thing that happened for us was the ability to do antibody testing. Mm. So as, you know, people were getting COVID and recovering from COVID, we were able to test their blood and they were able to donate product for us to send over to others who needed it for life-saving purposes with dealing with COVID. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, based on the nature of what you guys do, clearly you could do that in-house instead of having to <laughs> bring something from the outside. So that's great. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Well, Richard, question for you. I imagine you deal with quite a few security challenges, having so many donors coming in and out of all the different facilities. So what are some of the most common situations that your team and you face on any given day? Well, with the um, pandemic and COVID, as Dekeja stated, that actually has put us in a situation where we do deal with donors that may come in and they may not support the um, social distancing situation that we have with the, you know, the wearing of the mask. And that can be a challenge, but we are regulated and we follow state guidelines, AABB and FDA. And so we just try to keep them comfortable with our policies and procedures. We try to protect our staff and just ensure that we continue to keep the donors coming. So uh, we, we sort of deal with that. In addition to try to provide a good uh, environment for the donors to have a good experience. So we allow them, you know, a Wi-Fi connection or a wireless uh, connection. So we have to ensure that donors that are bringing in their own devices, that we ensure that, you know, that it's we have a secure network we do transmit, you know, data. And so that can be a challenge also because you get a donor in that might be computer savvy and may try to see if it can penetrate the network out of fun or whatever. So we tend to deal with some of those things. So you're basically having to look out for the transmission of human viruses as well as electronic viruses. Exactly. (laughs) Wow, quite a challenge to keep an eye on all that stuff. Interesting. Well, with a large number of locations on the Gulf Coast of Texas, I imagine that weather events, specifically hurricanes, we know how big they are down here, but other major weather events as well are really major factors for you. Not only do they pose threats to your operations and employee safety, but there's also an increased need for blood donations as a consequence of the storms and their impacts. So, Dekitra, with that in mind, what are some of the things that you and your team are focused on as you prepare for a severe weather event or natural disaster? Great question. We must take so much into consideration when there's uh, pending weather coming our way. There's no replacement for blood. So surgeries continue, emergencies continue, babies are born where units are needed. So we must work every plan that we ever put into place to make certain that we're able to provide these services to hospitals and healthcare facilities, whether it's reaching out to National Guard for transportation, whether we're reaching out to the local hospitals with helicopters to help us get those units back and forth. Also protecting our assets, making certain that we're dispersing our vehicles in some of our other areas so that we don't have all of our fleet in one area that could possibly flood. So we have to make certain that we evaluate all of our processes, all of our procedures, and our people. We have people who can't get to work. They can't draw these units. So we have essential personnel that we set in place that we may have to cover their lodging, cover their food so that they're in place in the event of an emergency. 
and we don't stop those operations. So there really is no excuse when things get bad, like you guys have to be there. I mean, there's, a, there's no such thing as being closed. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to keep it coming. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any interesting stories of like the craziest way you've ever had to do a blood delivery or anything like a helicopter flying in? And <laughs> Yes, we've actually we've had to use the helicopter several times and we've had to use the big army trucks to get those units over to the hospital. So when regular vehicles couldn't get on the road, we had to transfer those units via the largest vehicles that we could find. So when they need it, we have to get it there. Yeah, I remember Hurricane Harvey, you just couldn't get in or out of Houston. It was a disaster. So unless you had a massive vehicle or a boat that could take you from one side of the spot to another, then... Wow. Okay. And just think of when there's flooding in those areas, when there's flooding in the medical center, we're right in the heart of the medical center, which Mm. is one of the largest medical centers in the world. And when there's flooding, we still have to get those units inside that door. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Okay. Well, I want to come back to you on another thing and let's discuss some solutions on some of the situations and challenges we just elicited up there. But what are some of the ways you might mitigate risks related to the types of claims and safety issues that you mentioned earlier? Well, we evaluate each risk as it comes. Sometimes our plans change based on the type of risk, but we work together well as a team. That's one way that we mitigate or minimize risk. How can we get it done? What's the most efficient, effective way? Who can we utilize? What resources can we utilize? We work very closely with Texas Medical Center in CETRAC, which is a local organization that works with all of the entities in the area. So we just use our resources. That's the most important and effective way for us to get things done. Do you have pretty tight relationships with all sorts of government agencies, everything from like, let's say the governor's office on down, National Guard, where you kind of have like a a hotline you can call if you find that you need something quickly? Yes, we do have relationships that we've formed. Again, Cetrac, that is the best way to get the information. Mostly all hospitals, healthcare facilities, dialysis clinics, blood centers, we're a part of Cetrac to where we can relay information very quickly. That's the best way. And of course, yes, we have to have those relationships because no one has time to form a relationship in the midst of a disaster. So, No, that's a fantastic point there and something we try to make sure our listeners understand that you have to set these relationships up in advance because, like you said, you don't have time to do it <laughs> right when the disaster is going on. So that's, that's fantastic advice. Yes. Richard, coming back to you, what types of resiliency management or disaster recovery initiatives are you and your team working on to help keep the business and, and people safe? We do internal tabletop exercise. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I've been running around over the last two weeks, making connections and planning out an exercise. We're going we're gonna to actually do a um, hurricane exercise here in, within the next week. And then we also have scheduled active shooter. We're going to do a mass casualty. Just we're going to continue to do those and look at what gaps we may be able to identify uh, within the company that would show us areas of improvement. We also, as Dakita mentioned, SETRAC, which is the uh, Southeast Texas Regional Advisory Council, they also put on exercises and we participate in those. Those are more on a mass type level because they do include all of the hospitals and emergency management organizations within our region. And so we take we get takeaways from those exercises, come back to our own environment and we'll 
implement some things. Uh, if we see things that worked well, we'll, we'll look at those within our own company to see, you know, where we can improve on those as well as uh, work out any type of communication issues that we we need to, um, you know, increase and continue to train our staff. When you think about these testing and planning events that you go through on a regular basis on a scale of one to 10, one being not that important, 10 being really critical, how do you view them as, I guess, providing you insight into the next disaster? I rate it a 10. I just feel I'm, I'm a veteran in the military. It's, it's train, 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 drill, 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 do it over, do it over. And every time you will find a gap. So I, I, it's a 10 for me. I think with Jakedra and myself and our team, most of us have been in the company more than 15 years, but we have, we have staff that work here that may have come last year or six months ago. So we have to continue to uh, repeat these exercises to ensure that everyone is in the loop. That's a great point. Even if you've been around for a while and you know a lot, you can't assume that everyone else does. In fact, you should assume they don't. <laughs> so it's right. worthwhile, if not for you, for others, but you'll learn something too. So that's that's great. Excellent. Well, Dikitra, let's talk a bit about your disaster response and recovery plan for major live events in the area. So for example, Super Bowl, that was held in Houston a few years back. I'm sure you and your team were in what essentially is overdrive planning for that. A lot of people come into town. So can you tell us about some of the key elements of the plan or some of the safety systems that you guys put into place for that? Absolutely. So we plan for any major event, whether it's Super Bowl, NCAA, the president coming to town, you name it. We have to make certain that we have a plan in place. So we work with, again, CETRAC, Southeast Texas Regional Advisory Council, in addition to Texas Medical Center, to discuss who has what, what beds are available, what hospitals are available, what capacity are they at, what units, if you have blood units on the shelves, what ambulances are available, helicopters, you name it, we have a plan in place so that if anything happens, we can move quickly. Also, I'm not sure if you guys know, our headquarters is on the back of NRG Stadium, which is where most of the events are held. So we have to also increase our security to make sure that oh, wow. when all these people are in town, our facility is secure, our infrastructure is secure, and all of our resources are secure. Excellent. Well, we like to end our show by giving our audience a piece of advice or a practical tip that they can immediately implement to make an impact on their organization. So as you think about it, what can the audience do today to help improve their company's safety culture? Richard, why don't you go first? Right off the top for me, I would say ensure that you are utilizing multi-factor authentication within your company. Ransomware is huge right now and big, and as we see in the, in the news daily, there are about 7,000 attacks every day. The, not all of them are reported, but the major ones do hit the news with, with the Colonial Pipeline, as we saw. And then and so multi-factor, you have people working from home. We need to ensure that they are having to log in by that method. I, I would advise any, any company that's not doing that to implement that, as well as a good password management policy, ensure they're patching their systems, and just stay on top of that. And, and if at all possible, put your company in disaster mode and function like that to ensure that you force your departments to use whatever their contingency plans and policies and procedures are so that you can get an idea of how you're positioned right now in the terms of security. 
Mm. Yeah, excellent advice. Dikitra, what would you add from your perspective that you bring to the table here? I would add, of course, a plan. Plans are amazing. <laughs> when you have a plan in place, yes, it may seem redundant. It, you may be tired of rehearsing, practicing, going over this plan. But when you plan ahead, there's no failure to plan in the midst of a disaster. Also, not to give a shout out to Alert Media, but to give a shout out to Alert Media, who's been so <laughs> helpful with us communicating with our staff. I don't think that we would have been able to reach our staff in the midst of all of the events that have gone on over the past four to five years that we've been with Alert Media, but we have been able to distribute information so quickly to our staff via text message, email, phone calls, whether come into work, don't come into work, we need you. Whatever the message is, we've been able to get that information out in a matter of seconds. So make certain that companies have those channels available. They establish those relationships ahead of time. So when you need it, it's there. Mm, that's fantastic. Well, Dikitra and Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time and expertise. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. If anyone listening has follow-up questions for you guys or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Dikitra? Email is always great for me. My email is dfitzjer, stop at the R, at giveblood.org. So dfitzjer, giveblood.org. I'm also available on LinkedIn under my name, Dikitra Fitzgerald, if you would like to reach out to me and make a connection. Okay, wonderful. Richard, how about you? I, too, am an email uh, person, so my email address is rdunn at giveblood.org. I also am under Richard Dunn on LinkedIn. And I can be reached by that method. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important, as the teacher just said. So if you can't communicate, you can't recover. Always remember that. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.